0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors.
1: Welcome to our A's Farm podcast. I'm your host, AthleticsFarm.com Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty. And today, we're going to be taking an inside look at the A's top 10 picks from the 2021 draft. We'll be talking with a man in charge of it all for the A's, Scouting Director Eric Kubota, who's now in his 20th season as the A's Scouting Director. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Eric.
2: No problem. Looking forward to it.
1: We obviously want to talk to you about this year's top ten draft picks for the A's, but before we do, I did want to ask you one question about last year's draft. Of course, last year you only had five picks, which I guess probably simplified matters a bit for you, (laughs) but you really made the most of that first pick with catcher Tyler Soderstrom. You know, this year as a 19-year-old, he's hitting over 300 for Stockton. He's leading the team in most offensive categories. I'm just curious to know what what your impressions have been out of Soderstrom this year after having scouted him and, and maybe how his performance this year compares to what you saw of him in high school and what you projected for him when you were scouting him back then.
2: Yeah, we're certainly happy for Tyler and, and the uh, season he's putting together right now. I mean, I guess to a certain degree, it, it's reflective of, of what we thought of him. I mean, we thought he had an advanced high school bat. Uh, we did think his catching had a chance to be uh, to develop into, to, to league quality catching. And that seems to be, uh, you know, it seems to be progressing in that direction. So, I mean, we're certainly uh, pleased um, for Tyler and uh, you know, us, obviously uh, it makes us feel good too.
1: Yeah. I know back last year, everyone talked about what a mature hitter he was and that that certainly seems to be the case. I mean, he, you know, he's like I said, he's only 19 years old, but he looks like he's been doing this his whole life. <laughs> Yeah, well,
2: I mean, I think it helps that he was around. His dad was a major leaguer, for one, um, you know, so that certainly helped him. Uh, I think spending time at the alt site last summer, um, even though it wasn't the ideal situation, I think he made the most of it, um, just being around those older players and, and seeing A and major league level pitching every day. It, it, I think it, it was
1: definitely an advantage for him. Yeah, that probably was good preparation. And, and the first thing you mentioned as well, there is something to be said for those major league bloodlines, right?
2: Yeah, I just think having been around it and his dad having been through it, his dad probably was able to pass on a lot of wisdom. So um, I'm, sh- I'm sure that's part of, of, you know, the kind of advanced nature of Tyler's game right now.
1: Yeah, he certainly had a lot more skilled coaching growing up than a lot of kids do, I'm sure. Now, getting to this year's draft class, you started out your first pick, another high school hitter, shortstop Max Muncy out of Thousand Oaks. And besides following in the tradition of drafting guys named Max Muncy, what else about this Max Muncy really stood out for you guys and really put him in a position where you you thought this kid could be our number one pick this year?
2: Yeah, he, he just um, we were able to see a lot of Max and he, he performed at a high level for us. Uh, we think he's a, a live athlete, uh, number one, uh, with uh, a good swing and strength. And he's just got um, his mental makeup and confidence. And uh, I mean, I think he just has a self-belief that will carry him through through in this game.
1: Well, oh, I know he himself talked about being a high-energy player, and I kind of got the feeling that he was a, quite a leader on the team, and that was the kind of player who put the team on his back and carry him with him, and th- that they would gladly go.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's uh, he is a high-energy player. I'm not necessarily sure he's a raw, raw type. I think he's a uh, lead by exa- more a lead by example type. But he does he plays really hard. Uh, he's very athletic, um, and just has a you know a
1: belief in his own abilities. Well, I think also, I guess anytime you've got a player where you feel he's got a good chance to stick at shortstop and he's also got real power potential, that's kind of a combination that's hard to resist when you start envisioning that power-hitting shortstop kind of player, right?
2: Yeah, for sure. And, and we, we don't think it's his, his offense is just um, you know, kind of a one-trick pony type of thing. We do think he has a chance to be a really good hitter. So um, it's, a, it's a combination of the chance to hit at a high level and also have strength.
1: And I know in terms of comps, you've compared him to Dansby Swanson already, and and that seems like a pretty good comp. But can you talk about a little bit more about how how he compares? Um,
2: You know, if if you see him in a baseball uniform physically, you can't help but not think of Dansby. So uh, (laughs) that was really the first thing that came to my mind. Their games, I think, have a lot of similarities.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably about as apt a comparison as we could find based on looking at what he's capable of. Now, after Muncie, with your second pick, you went with another infielder, a college third baseman, Zach Geloff, out of Virginia. And it seems like he's another guy that's got a lot of offensive potential. But can you talk about what really uh, opened your eyes about Zach Geloff?
2: Um, he's he's big, and he, for as big as he is, he's a, a freakishly good athlete, Um <laughs> He is very physical. Um, he's a, a very surprising runner. I mean, his running speed is above average. He's a third baseman, a physical third baseman who actually hit the leadoff for his college team, which is kind of unusual. <laughs> um, we don't we don't really see that being where he sticks long-term, but we really like the approach at the plate. Um, he's a good hitter now. Uh, I think he's sacrificed a little bit of power potential to be the leadoff type of hitter that they they wanted from him. But you can't look at him and not think that there's not going to be power there and and there's speed. There's enough speed that, you know, he may be able to uh, play some center field when things are all said and done as well.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I know I'd seen people talk about him potentially being a corner outfielder, but you're envisioning potentially in center. We, yeah, he, he's athletic enough, where he could just about play anywhere.
2: So, I mean, we, we think of him as a third baseman now, but we did talk about the possibility that, that well, the, the fact that he's, he's such a good athlete, it's, it's uh,
1: good enough tools to play center field. Yeah, he, as you mentioned, he's definitely a big guy. I think he's six foot three. but I did notice as well, I think he had more stolen bases than home runs even last year. So, like you said, he's definitely got a few tools he's working with there. Yeah, he's
2: definitely. Uh, I mean, it's it's a big run tool and its power potential, and
1: and um, we really like the uh, the approach at the plate. And do you have any comps for Zach?
2: Not a great one. I mean, I think his overall game, you know, not necessarily how he looks physically, but there's a lot of Mark Canna in the same kind of skills, um, you know, as Mark brings right now.
1: Right. So uh, another one of those uh, power-hitting leadoff hitters, right? <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. And, you know, Mark has uh, played pretty solid center field in the big leagues. He's played, you know, he's played all
1: over the field for us. So Right, right. Now, with your third pick, you took your first pitcher in the draft, uh, right-hander Mason Miller out of uh, Gardner-Webb in uh, North Carolina. He has kind of an inter- interesting story. Can you talk a little bit about uh, Mason Miller and what put him so high on your radar? Sure. Well, I mean, just first talking about the story, I mean, he started his college career at a a very
2: small school called Waynesburg University. And, um, you know, he was uh, just okay, really, if you look at his (laughs) performance. But uh, at some point while at Waynesburg, he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And once they, uh, you know, diagnosed that and started him on treatment, uh, both his physicality and his fastball ticked uh, uh, upward quickly. And uh, our scout actually in Pennsylvania, Matt Higginson, liked him a year ago. Um, uh, but I think, um, Mason wasn't hundred percent sure that if the time was right for him to sign and, uh, he ended up at Gardner Webb. and we continue to follow him there. I mean, he's, he's got a great body. Uh, we've seen him up to 99 off the mound, um, with, uh, chance for a, a plus, Breaking ball. I mean, we think there's a starter potential there with just a great body with an elite arm.
1: I think the story is after he was diagnosed with diabetes and he changed his diet and his workout regimen, he ended up adding 50 pounds. I don't know. I don't know if that's an exaggeration, but that's the story that <laughs> that's going around. I- uh,
2: if, if it was 50 pounds he would have had to be really skinny yeah.
1: so. let's <laughs> well, I say I know I think he's six foot five and, and listed at 200 now so <laughs> yeah he, uh, he definitely would have been pretty skinny then but regardless he did put on some added weight and added muscle obviously and apparently that led to a big increase in velocity which I'm sure really moved him up a lot of people's boards
2: yeah and we had seen that our scout saw uh, 96 last year so it wasn't uh surprising to us so um you know seeing him do it against b1 competition certainly helped
1: helped in our evaluation though yeah so do you have a comp for uh, for mason miller
2: um one of our scouts kind of mentioned nathan Ovaldi. i mean mm-hmm. the same kind of uh, you know fastball slider um chance to start
1: Yeah, well, it'll be good to good to see uh, what he's capable of when he gets into action. Those high-velocity guys are always a lot of fun to see, anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, uh, with your fourth pick, you went with uh, Denzel Clark uh, out of Cal State Northridge, which is my alma mater, and. uh, he seems like he has a lot of potential. He's a big guy. He's very physical. I think he's six foot five, 220 pounds. Certainly got to be power potential there, too. But I know he's also shown a lot of speed as well. So can you talk about the combination of tools that Denzel Clark has to offer?
2: Yeah, Denzel is the, the prototypical um, scout's dream. I mean, he, <laughs> he's got an unbelievable body. Uh, he, he can he's got top top of the chart speed. I mean, when he starts going, especially like first or third or covering ground in center field, it, it's uh, pretty impressive. Uh, there's a ton of power potential. I mean, he's, he's maybe a little more raw and that's, that's why we were lucky enough to get him in the fourth round, but he has the ability to be a true five tool player um, with above average all the way across the board. I mean, it's, it's a really impressive physical package
1: yeah. and I don't
2: know um, I was just going to mention. I mean, he comes from a super athletic family. His mom uh, was a represented Canada as a heptathlete at '84 Olympics in LA. Um, he's got uh, uncles who played in the in the uh, Canadian Football League. He's, I mean, he's he's got very strong athletic bloodlines.
1: <laughs> well, he looks like he could be a football player if he wanted to. Uh, <laughs> you know, you mentioned that he's sort of a bit of a scout's dream. I was thinking that too with all with all the tools he's got. I was kind of surprised to find him falling to you late in the 4th round. Were you also a little surprised that he was still available at that point?
2: Um, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he had by his own admission, he had kind of an up and down spring. I mean, he got off to a good start, and then that There was a period of time in the middle of the spring where they they even removed him from the lineup to to, Mm. um, just kind of reflect a little bit. And (laughs) um, so his performance, uh, it it definitely picked up as the spring went on, but it did not start really great. And he'd be the first to admit
1: that. So um, that kind of worked to our advantage planted an, enough of a seed of doubt in some people's minds, I guess. I know with a guy like that, the danger is also strikeouts, too. I think he had about 40 strikeouts and maybe 140 at-bats last year, so obviously that's something that needs to be refined. But you did mention, again, not just the power, but he's got the speed, and he's another guy that that seems to be genuinely capable of playing center field, right? Uh, he has a chance to be a gold-glove
2: center fielder.
1: Wow. Um, he, he has, yeah, it, it has a chance to be elite defense. You know, that's saying quite a lot for a guy that big. He definitely, like you said, is very athletic and can can get around the bases. So it'll be really, I think, fun for all of us to watch Denzel Clark developing. He's a really interesting hitter. Now with your fifth pick, you went with catcher CJ Rodriguez out of Vanderbilt and he he hasn't put up big offensive numbers. He's probably primarily known for catching Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker at Vanderbilt. So, obviously, he's got experience handling big-game pitchers well. I don't know if that's what primarily drew you to him, but to talk a little bit about C.J. Rodriguez, if you could.
2: Yeah, I think we, we think C.J. is a, a premium defensive catcher with a, a plus arm. I mean, he like you said, he has handled really, really good pitchers. Um, but we just think his, his defense is elite um, at the plate, even though um, he may not have hit for a high average. We really value the fact that uh, he controls the strike zone um, more walks and strikeouts, um, you know, so it's an offensive profile that that can play um, and the, the defense is, is top of the charts.
1: Yeah, I, I think, uh, if I'm correct, he had 36 walks and only 19 strikeouts last year. So he, he obviously is a, is a guy with a good eye at the plate anyway. Do you have a comp for uh, C.J. Rodriguez? Uh, he, he reminds us a little bit of Kurt Suzuki,
2: mm. um, who, you know, is uh, here as well. So, I mean, strong defense with, uh, with some strength to develop and, and uh,
1: a chance to have solid offense and uh, neither of them terribly big guys physically either, right? Right,
2: right. Yeah, they're probably uh, – although Kurt, Kurt is probably bigger than he gets credit for. He's, he's like six feet tall, but um, <laughs> uh, it's they're, – yeah, they're, they have some similarities in their defensive game for sure.
1: And I forgot to ask, did you have any comps to offer on uh, Denzel Clark at all? I did. I did.
2: I was uh, I was a little myth that you didn't ask, so I can deal with an easy one.
1: Uh, Andre Dawson. <laughs> you know i was th- i was trying to think of some of those big sluggers going back a few decades that he seems like kind of like uh, the kind of player you don't see a lot of these days but you did see a lot of a few decades ago you know right right yeah <laughs> Well, Andre Dawson's definitely a good one. We'll we'll look forward to him blossoming into Andre Dawson of the uh, 2020s. Not sure
2: that's that's exactly what I said.
1: (laughs) In the best of all possible worlds. Uh, uh, All right, now with your sixth pick, you took your second pitcher of the draft, only your second pitcher of the draft, and uh, that was Grant Holman out of Cal, 21-year-old guy. You know, I know he's a Big guy, I think he's six foot six, two hundred fifty pounds. You know, throws hard, but I think he's had some injuries too. I'm imagining since he went to Cal, you guys got a lot of good looks at him, and you had a pretty good idea of what you were getting in him. But tell me what you really liked about Grant Holman.
2: Yeah, Grant is uh, just physically imposing. I mean, it, it's he he is big and uh, <laughs> a really good athlete for his size. I mean, he he, he reminds us of uh, Noah Syndergaard in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may just be physically, and um, the hair might be the whole, the whole package. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, we like the fact that, uh, you know, he, Grant was a two-way player up until this year. He was a good hitter for Cal. Um, he's athletic. Um, for as big as he is, he repeats his delivery re- really well and throws strikes, um, really an advanced strike thrower for as big as he is. We did have seen him throw very hard. Um, he has had, you know, some – some physical issues. I mean, he got off to a late start this spring, and then um, I think he he made just about every start after that. Um, so, uh, you know, we think it's it's uh, physical ailments that will be overcome in the long term, and we think there's a lot of upside with Grant.
1: Yeah, like I said, he's certainly a big guy. If you get a six foot six, 250 uh, pound guy throwing a fastball your way, you, you've got to keep on your toes. You know? <laughs> yeah, and he, he
2: he throws it generally where he wants to throw it too, which, which is impressive.
1: Well, that's good. That's good. Now, with your seventh pick, you went with your uh, second third baseman, Brett Harris, out of Gonzaga, and he's a bit of a, a little bit older guy. He's 23 already. Been around the college game for a little while. Seems like he's uh, he's known as a strong defensive third baseman and I think he he also was considered to be a bit of a leader on that team as well but what stood out for you about Brett Harris?
2: Yeah I I think we like the athlete and the defensive versatility Um, he's played mostly third base but he filled in at shortstop for for an extended period we think he can play all over the field Uh, we think the bat is just starting to evolve evolve, really uh, even despite the age so um, we really, yeah, we had a couple of scouts who, who really, really liked Brett and thought there was uh,
1: a lot of upside to his game. Yeah, it seems like after your first half dozen picks or so that a lot of the guys had shown some degree of versatility. It looks like that really started to factor in a lot as the draft unfolded. Is that the case?
2: It definitely wasn't intentional, but um, it seems, to, seems that that was, yeah, I mean, definitely some of these guys have played multiple positions. Any
1: comps for to offer on to Brett Harris? Yeah, uh, one of our scouts uh, thought he reminded him of David Boat with the Cubs. Now, with your eighth pick, it took your second shortstop, Drew Swift, out of Arizona State. And it looks like he's definitely a defense-first shortstop. He's, you know, he's won awards for his defense, maybe not as big a, a, an offensive profile. But what did you guys uh, like about Drew Swift?
2: Uh, Drew, uh, he's just a premium defender. We've seen him since high school. He's always, always been a premium
1: defensive player.
2: Um, he's always been slight of build. Uh, he finally started to fill out some uh, this year and started um, getting, adding a little more physicality to his game, which will definitely help uh, on the offense. We do think he has a chance to hit enough uh, to play shortstop every day in the big leagues, but his his shortstop is, is just... Um, it's premium defense in a premium position.
1: Yeah, he sounded like he had kind of the similar profile to the way everyone used to talk about Nick Allen, where, you know, his, his defense is solid. That's gold. And if he can just hit enough, you know, he'll, he'll be good to go. Is, is that how you'd view him, too?
2: Uh, somewhat. Somewhat. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's somewhat fair.
1: Yeah, any uh, any comps for Drew Swift besides Nick Allen? <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I go back. I go back. Here, I grew up in the Bay Area, and he reminds me a lot of Johnny LaMaster.
1: Ah, Johnny LaMaster. You don't hear a lot of Johnny LaMaster references these days.
2: No. <laughs> yeah, most of my, unfortunately, most of my comps are from my childhood. So <laughs> nobody will know will know who I'm talking about. Uh,
1: so. th- that's okay. I think we're about the same age, and I grew up in Northern California <laughs> too, so I get it, anyways. Uh, yeah. If people don't, they can uh, they can go look them up on uh, online and find out all of about it. Right. So, um, or I'll sell you his old baseball card too. I think I've got some of those <laughs> still. Now, with your ninth pick, you went with a catcher, uh, Shane McGuire, your second catcher out of the University of San Diego. Now he's the brother of a Toronto catcher, Reese McGuire, and uh, I think he's the only left-handed hitter you took in the whole draft this year. And I guess uh, sure. I guess any any left-handed hitting catchers always stand out a little bit. But uh, but what impressed you about Shane McGuire?
2: Shane's really you got an advanced approach at the plate. I mean, he's a he's a really good hitter. Um we do think his I mean, he's caught, he's played first, he's he's kind of played around the field. We do think he can k- stay behind the plate and we just we value, you know, the fact that he can re- he can really hit
1: I know he. Uh, I think he had twice as many walks as strikeouts last year, which is a, which is a good sign, anyway. Does he have much power potential, or do you see him more as a contact hitter? Or how do you view him as That's, a hitter?
2: he he has strength to develop. He'll have to make some uh, probably, uh, you know, make some adjustments in his approach to get to the power. I mean, there is a chance that he could he could develop power as he matures.
1: Okay, and then with your 10th your pick, your final pick of the top 10, not your final pick of the draft, because you did have 20, but we're only focusing on the top 10 here, you went with your third shortstop. I know you guys love those shortstops, Jack Winkler out of the University of San Francisco, another guy I'm imagining you got a lot of looks at, given where he went to school. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Jack Winkler and how he profiles? Yeah, just a a really good
2: baseball player. I mean, we really like the defense, very good actions, uh, enough arm for shortstop. Uh, Probably he played third base as a sophomore. I'm sure he could play second. Uh, We think there's strength to develop at the bat. I mean, just a really good baseball player with the ability to play around the infield.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He seemed like another one of those guys with a lot of versatility, where you could you could probably end up slotting him in in a lot of different uh, different positions, and he seemed to have a lot of speed too. I know he racked up a lot of stolen bases there at USF.
2: Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that wouldn't have been the first thing I would have said, but um, you know, I did see. I, I noticed the stolen base numbers. We think we think um, that probably won't be as big of his game going forward, but I think that he'll.
1: There's a chance of developed develop power as he goes on, too. Right. Well, he's definitely not slow-footed, anyway. We could say no, that. About no, no. <laughs> and he's definitely
2: athletic enough to play in the middle of a diamond.
1: Right, exactly. Now, after uh, after your top ten picks, you only took two pitchers in your top ten. I guess to, to balance things out a little bit on, on the final day of the draft, you took eight pitchers out of your, your final 10 picks to kind of even things out. But is there anyone out of that second batch, the 11 to 20 picks that you think Ace fans should take particular note of or, or know anything about?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, we obviously, those are still quality picks. We think there's still big leaguers in that group. I mean, it seems late now since it's only a 20-round draft, but <laughs> it would have been early at a 40-round draft. It would you have know? been still the first um,
1: half of the draft, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So um, I think our 11th rounder, Eduardo Rivera from Puerto Rico, I mean, he's he's six, seven and he's been up to 97. So there's just a a lot of upside there. A good name to kind of file away for down the road. Um, Our 14th rounder, Johnny Butler from, from NC state. Um, We really, really like the bat. He, he's a plus runner. Um, He did not play center field at NC state because they had another player that uh, played there. that went in the third round, I believe, but, We think he has a chance to play center, so he he would be another good name to
1: kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, it seems like he's already got a a fan club from his time at uh, NC State. (laughs) (laughs) He's already got a got a following. Uh, Now that now that the draft is over, and as you mentioned in in previous years, you know in recent years it had been forty rounds. Last year, which was a very unusual year, it was only five rounds. This year, it was twenty rounds. So, do you anticipate? Signing any of these undrafted guys now in this period uh, after the drafts? We
2: we saw it. we've signed two and that'll probably be it. We signed a, a left-handed pitcher from Auburn named Jack Owen, and then the first baseman from Stanford, Nick Brusser.
1: OK, great. So uh, last year, there were a whole lot of uh, <laughs> right. drafted free agents out there to work on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this year, it's a little less. But still, you know, there's a lot of guys you would normally draft after the 20th round that you, you know, you felt good about. And uh, those guys are still floating around out there.
2: Yeah. And the difference this year, too, is Major League Baseball has made a lot of rule changes in the minor leagues. So there's a hard cap on the number of players you can have uh, under contract. So at some point, for every player you bring in, you gotta you, you'll have to release one. So it's not as it's not as easy to go out and sign right. twenty undrafted free agents <laughs> now.
1: So. Right now, and that's curious. And just to clarify, I'm I'm aware of that rule, but as soon as you draft them, you don't have to you don't have to remove someone from your system. Is it maybe when you no. add them to an active roster? Is that when you do it, or how does that work?
2: I, I, I think that the drafted players don't count against it until the until after this first year. So oh, okay. Until, until the end of this this yeah. So, uh, but basically, long term, that's yeah. kinda how we're looking at it. Is is whatever comes in, something's got to go out. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, it's certainly, you know, we all look forward to seeing these kids develop. And certainly with last year's draft, as we mentioned, Tyler Soderstrom has probably been the most fun player to watch in the A's minor league system this year. So whether it's Max Muncy, your first-round pick this year, or any of the other guys, uh, it will certainly uh, be great if we can uh, see them developing in such a fun fashion as Tyler Soderstrom has. There's nothing, I think, more enjoyable than seeing a player come into the system and just confirm all your best suspicions about them right off the bat right (laughs) yeah
2: tyler's setting kind of a high bar right now
1: (laughs) definitely well thanks again for taking the time out to talk to us this year eric it's always great and enlightening uh, for everyone to hear your insights on these guys and uh, we'll look forward to seeing how things uh, play out here in the coming days thanks again okay bill thanks And thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of our A's Farm podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find updates on the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. Thanks again. I'm A's Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty, and we'll see you again down on the farm.